Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Amen. Come on. Would you guys stand to your feet? Would you praise God for me this morning? Come on. 10 second praise break. Go. One, two, three, four, five, six. Keep going. Seven, eight, nine, ten. And all God's people said, amen. Fantastic. Have a seat. Have a seat. Um, yeah, actually, if I could, yeah, if someone could snag these uh, communion elements out the way for a moment, that'd be amazing. We just got so lost in the sauce during worship that uh, we forgot about that. Man, what a time. Who is grateful for Lord Jesus being in the place with us this morning? Oh, I see. We got to go back to square one this morning or something. Come on. How many of you know where two or more are gathered in his name? There he is in the midst of them. Amen. Jesus is here. Praise him like he's here because he's here. Man, right now, there are just, there are just degenerative, degenerative diseases in this place that are being healed in the presence of the Lord. There are hips that are being made well, restored to perfection right now because the presence of the Lord is here. There are, there are people who have had bouts of meningitis when they were children and were not well and it has plagued them their entire life in some capacity. And right now, the spirit of the Lord is at work in this place, healing meningitis ramifications. I am telling you right now, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and the spirit of the Lord goes where two or more gather in his name. Amen. He's here. He's here. And we're not just going to have church like it's any other day, like it's any other church, like it's any other religious service. No, no, no. We have the one true living God who chooses to dwell among his people. Amen. The God that is everywhere is choosing to be somewhere and it is in this room with you and I this morning. The only question we have to ask is, will you and I take advantage of the fact that we have the attention of the king? Amen. This morning, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, yes, my name is uh, Matt, my, uh, me and my beautiful wife, Adrienne, we get to lead this amazing church, and I'm so grateful for this morning. I'm, I'm blown away because I've needed it. Tell you what, did I need it? I needed him. I needed him. And it's not till you go through a week where you are pummeled, where you are pulverized, where you are smashed into oblivion where you go through some things and then all of a sudden you bring that pain, you bring that angst, you bring that anxiety, you bring that worry, you bring that betrayal, you bring all of these things and you lay them down at the feet of Jesus. You just get over yourself enough to get to him and I tell you everything changes. Everything changes. Who's grateful to be found in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, it's who he is. This morning, we are continuing the stewardship of our prophetic word for this house for 2023, coming out of Luke 12, 49 through 50. It is called Fire Upon the Earth. Who's enjoyed the last 30 weeks of Fire Upon the Earth? Come on, somebody. And we are taking this thing for 365 days, baby. We are not letting off the gas one single iota. Instead, we are leaning in even further, even in the summer, even in the heat, even in all of it. We are pursuing the glory of God, amen? And truly, this is what we've given our lives to. The Lord told us, man, I am looking. I am looking right now for a burning people, 
a burning body, a burning bride in the West Michigan Midwest region. Will you answer the call? And we say, yes, Lord Jesus, yes. And so that's what we're doing. So this is week 30. So get your notepads out, get your phone apps out, get your B-I-B-L-E's out because we are going after him today. Amen. All right. If you're taking notes, the title of my sermon this morning, yes, sermon this morning is called Fire Upon the Bones. Fire Upon the Bones. Fire Upon the Bones. We're going to come out of Ezekiel 37 this morning. So turn there in your B-I-B-L-E's. If you don't have a B-I-B-L-E, there should be free ones all around this house. They are blue, ESV. Fantastic. You can take that. You don't have to steal it. That's yours. Be blessed by it. But if not, it'll be up on the Sky Bible. And uh, I think we got Pastor Evans actually hanging out back there on Sky Bible. And one of our main men, Kenny, is holding it down on the sound. Can we just thank them for all that they do? Come on. Come on holding it down. All right, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. If you're there, say I'm there. If you say I'm running behind, just uh, catch up as you can. Here we go. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around and among them. Behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. Behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. Flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath within them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet exceedingly in a great army. That he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up that our hope is lost, that we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves. I will raise you from your graves. Oh, my people, I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open up your graves, when I raise you from your graves, oh, my people, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. And then you shall know that I am the Lord and that I have spoken and that I will do it, declares the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on, come on. I will do it, declares the Lord. We're gonna pray and we are gonna crack that bad Jackson open. Sound good? Let's go. Father, Father, we love you. Father, this morning we have no other agenda, God, 
God, no other agenda, no other affection, no other allegiance this morning. God, we have broken up with reservations after services. God, we have broken up with our worship of the clock. God, we have broken up with our, our religious worship of Christian service and activity. God, we are a house given over to you. Father, today I pray that you find a yielded people. God, that today, Lord Jesus, we say you have our yes. You have our yes every single time, God. And we count the cost, God. We weigh it this morning and we recognize in the face of all of hell, all of culture, all of our flesh and all of the world and the principalities and the demonic coming against us today, God, we stand here and we say, Lord Jesus, you have my yes. So Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you would come, that you would move in this place, that every other spirit right now would bow out and return to hell from which you came. Spirit of suicide, spirit of depression, spirit of lack and unbelief, spirit of witchcraft, spirit of sexuality and Jezebel and immorality right now under the mighty name of Jesus, you flee and you run for the hills of hell as your only refuge to burn for eternity. Father, right now, we say we love your spirit. We love your word. We love your son. We love you, Father. Come, breathe on us. And may we be alive in Christ truly and emphatically forever and evermore. And a faith-filled church said, Amen. Amen. Oh, fire upon the bones. Fire upon the bones. Fire upon the bones. As we were going into summertime and I was praying to the Lord and I've mentioned this a few times now, but I, I want you to know if you're new with us this morning, there's some catch up that you should do over the next week and just hit the last few of the messages. But really, as we asked the Lord and we petitioned heaven, I said, God, what is it, what is it that you want to do this summer? Like, how do we steward this prophetic word? You say it's for all year long and yet we know we're in West Michigan and we here, we worship beaches and we worship camping and we worship activities and we worship all of these other things. And so, Lord, in contention with those things, vying for our attention and our worship, how can I serve you the best as I teach and I preach and I lead our people unto a greater glory? And he said, Matt, teach my people to pray. Teach my people to pray because it doesn't matter how many low Sundays, quote unquote, of attendance you have throughout the summer. If we are taking the remnant that remains, the remnant that's burning, the remnant that's hungry, feed those that are hungry, pour into those that are ready to receive, feed and water those that are ready to burn for the glory of God. And I got to tell you, that gets me excited because man, I couldn't imagine what our region, what our cities would look like, friends, if you and I actually took Jesus up on his word where he says, I've got a baptism and I am in distress until I give it, that I would set fire upon the earth. I would fill you with my Holy Spirit and I would already if it were kindled, Luke 12, 49 through 50. And so this morning, we're gonna continue stewarding not only the prophetic word for 2023, but the challenge from God to be a people given over to prayer, given over to intimacy, given over to being found 
when it's just you and the Lord. When the music fades and all is stripped away and you just get back to you and the Lord. Because I'm telling you, friends, there is nothing like your first love. There's nothing like the passion you had, the stirring within you, the allegiance, the faithfulness, the amount you were in your word. When you first took a drink from that cup that he offered you, man, he had everything from you, everything. And this summer, this summer is the re-up. This summer is the recommitment. This summer is getting back to where it all started intimacy with your father amen and so last few numbers of weeks we've been talking about prayer we've been talking about intimacy and we talked about how God longs to get you alone God longs to get you alone so that he can have all of your affection all of your attention and we learn friends that God is so good and he's so gracious even when it doesn't seem like he's good even when it doesn't seem like he's gracious he is so good and so gracious that he will actually withhold promises from you in order to draw a prayer out of you and then coming from that, all of a sudden we transitioned into the last week and we began to see that God is far more interested. We love spectacle. We love loud declarations of his glory and public displays of his power. But God has said to this generation, listen, if you will be faithful with me in your private invitations, I will give you public demonstrations of power. But ministry doesn't beget intimacy. Intimacy begets ministry. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. And the reason I bring all this up and the reason I recap that real quick is because now we're going to find ourselves in a place where the only natural place to go to from this moment and where we will spend the next number of weeks in the summertime is in fact those very public demonstrations of power this is the part where the religious get offended this is the part where the weird ones are like finally but this is the part where the bride of Christ should hear and heed hear and heed hear and heed the word of the Lord because he says he will do it and he declares it. What good is hearing the word of the Lord if you don't heed the, the word of the Lord? What good is hearing if you don't heed it? And I gotta tell you, he's been calling out to our generation for a minute. And because of what those before us have passed on, it is now you and I's duty. Duty. Not just invitation, but it is yours and my duty to pick up the mantle of power and signs and wonders in the earth again, friends. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. You see, I love Lord Jesus. So I got any Jesus freaks in the house? Come on. I love Jesus. And Jesus says, oh my gosh, he says this wonderful, powerful, amazing phrase, and yet it is probably one of the most overlooked, most forfeited and forsaken. Can we turn the lights on? Uh, in here, by the way. 
just throwing that out there. There we go. I said, let there be lights. And there was lights. The single most overlooked and probably forfeited and discarded verses in the entire Bible is when Jesus, he gathers his disciples and his friends, the ones he's been raising up for three and a half years, and he says to them, signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Jesus himself says, okay, he is the word of God put on flesh, dwelt among us. When he speaks, universes are created. When he speaks, fig trees die. When he speaks, dead men and dead, dead women rise again to new life in Christ, amen? When Jesus speaks, creation bows. And so Jesus, Jesus says, signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Now I'm sitting here and I'm repeating myself over and over again because I hope that you're catching this the way that I'm catching this because I'm looking at West Michigan. I'm looking at our region. I, ask, I look at where you and I are called to and I'm going, where? Where are the signs and the wonders that follow those that believe? Where are the signs and wonders that follow those that believe? I mean, if Jesus speaks and he is not a liar, but every word that God says is true, is powerful, does not return void, goes out and accomplishes the task assigned to it from the lips of God himself, which is what scripture says. If signs and wonders follow those that believe, why are we not seeing signs and wonders? You see, what's interesting about this is I actually think the, uh, I think the answer to the question is found in the statement itself. I think for you and I today, I think we can look at this and we can see, yeah, I see Jesus gave this amazing proclamation, declaration, and yet I see lack of evidence today. In fact, we live in a time and place where most Christians live absolutely surprised when a miracle takes place before them, like, I didn't know he did that. When? He's still alive? Like... We treat miracles as if it's this outlandish, crazy, unforeseen, never witnessed before in all of history. We're like, where did that come from? And yet, his chief concern is that there be fire upon the earth, there be a burning bride filled with his Holy Spirit, and that signs and wonders would follow those that believe. You see, it's interesting. Jesus doesn't say signs and wonders will follow those that attend church. What's interesting about that is that you and I, as Christians, we are called to attend church. We are called to be a part of a body. But signs and wonders don't follow those that are simply a part of the body. But while we're talking about the body, let me just say this. I would love to put a bullet in the head of the nonsense from Instagram and TikTok heretics for a moment that says that you can be a Christian and exist outside the church. You, in fact, by definition, cannot. Well, Pastor Matt, you gotta prove that to me. I will. Christian means little Christ. And guess where Christ is found? In the church. Guess who Christ is in community with? The church. Guess who Christ is marrying as his bride? The church. 
And so if you are called to be a little Christ in the earth, you cannot do so apart from the body of Christ. It's impossible because you are nothing like Jesus if you attempt to live for him but hate his wife. Attempt to live for him yet be completely appalled and annoyed and think she is the worst thing ever. That is his bride. So if Christ himself is a part of the church, then I guess you and I have nothing else to talk about on that subject. Christians are a part of a church and not a bunch of side piece churches that you go and have your little a la carte church experiences. You answer the call to come and be found in a home and you become a part of a body of believers, amen? We don't a la carte pick and choose. This is not build a bear Christ. I'm telling you, the heart of Jesus is burdened by the church today. Because he's going, I have assigned, I have assigned signs and wonders to follow those that believe. And you can't even attend a church faithfully. Showing up at 10 a.m. or whatever other churches have service times at. Is the easiest act of obedience in the church mile markers and identifiers of what a Christian is. Simply putting yourself somewhere at a given time. That's the easiest thing you can do. Talk about signs and wonders. Follow me. I think we should start by following Jesus to church. Amen. <laughs> Somebody's new. They're like, dude, what, what is going on? It gets worse. It's so much worse. It gets so much worse. Get ready. It gets so much worse. We believe the Bible here. Every syllable. And so then, not only do signs and wonders not simply only follow those that attend church, but Jesus doesn't say that signs and wonders follow those that tithe. Although tithe is another Christian discipline, another Christian identifier, another marker of what it means to be a Christian. It's another Christian discipline, right? It doesn't say that signs and wonders follow those that pray. It doesn't say that. Although prayer be found in the intimacy, in the secret place with God, time with him. That's a Christian identifier. That's a mile marker. You are a Christian. How do I know you're a Christian? Well, I am faithfully a part of this church. I give 10% of my income. I am faithful in serving. I arrive and I do the thing and I love Jesus with all my life and I don't murder anybody. I'm faithful in my marriage. I'm faithful in my single season and I live unto a greater glory. His name is Jesus. That's how you know I'm a Christian. But none of those things say, when Jesus says, signs and wonders will follow any of those things. What's interesting is Jesus declares, signs and wonders will follow those that believe. What's interesting is he doesn't say, signs and wonders follow those that believe in Christ. So that means it's entirely possible to be a part of the church as you should be, to tithe as you should be, to pray as you should be, to be faithful as you should be, and to love Christ as you should. And yet signs and wonders still not follow you. So Pastor Matt, where are you going with this? I would submit to you this morning 
that it is entirely possible that the reason signs and wonders have yet to fall in our midst, have yet to rule and reign in plethora in a bevy as if there was an overflow of heaven like Jesus just accidentally spilled over his glass of miracles and it fell down on 3584 Roger B. Chaffee and all of a sudden heaven broke loose in our space. I would say the reason you and I have yet to witness such amazing feats of the heavenlies is entirely built up and predicated upon our inability to believe in signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow those that believe, Lord Jesus says. Believe what? In signs and wonders. In signs and wonders. You see, we live in a time and place where, where we want Jesus as this really good moral life coach. Like, oh man, he loves widows and he takes care of the poor. Like, I love this part of Jesus. And then we reject Jesus that goes home and makes a whip and then comes back to the temple and flips over tables. Like, we reject that part of Jesus. You see, so we live in a time and place where we have, we have built a beard, our own Jesus, and it is an idol, and it needs to be tossed in the lake of fire so you don't have to be. I am telling you, friends, there is a real reality of Christianity where signs and wonders follow you as you believe signs and wonders must follow you. And I am telling you this morning, as long as you do not believe in signs and wonders, guess what? Signs and wonders will not follow you. Signs and wonders will not follow you. They cannot ride in on you. They cannot come with you. They cannot catch your coattail into the glory because you have already resolved within yourself that you don't believe in signs and wonders. Well, Pastor Matt, well, I'm not saying I don't believe in signs and wonders. I'm saying that maybe God doesn't move like this always before in it. Wait, where was, where was the caveat in what Jesus said? Where was the asterisk that excluded your name? Where was the asterisk that excluded West Michigan? Where was the asterisk that excluded Pentecostals and Charismatics and Baptists and Methodists? Lord knows they need it. And the Reformers, Lord knows they need it more. Like I'm telling you, I'm asking you this morning, where is the asterisk next to the words of Jesus that excluded anybody outside of the body of Christ? As far as I'm understanding, Signs and wonders are yours and my's rebirth right in the kingdom of heaven. If you've been born again, saved, died in the wool and blood of Jesus and filled with his spirit, signs and wonders. We're in reformer country here. Want to talk about predestination? Jesus has predestined you for signs and wonders. But you've got to believe it. Jesus has predestined you for signs and wonders, but you've got to believe it. What's interesting is that more saints in our region have disqualified themselves from being activated by Christ for doing great signs and wonders in and through his name, but not because of some moral failing. Did you know you can actually disqualify yourself without a moral failing? You can. It's called unbelief. You don't have to fall morally, be bankrupt eternally. You don't have to have one of these things happen on the inside of you. All you have to do is make a greater agreement with what the devil says about you than your agreement with what God says about you. 
Because all of a sudden we live in this area right now where it's reformer country. So we're all stationists, we're all dispensationalists and we believe that the gifts and signs and wonders of God died with Paul and the last apostles and there's no scripture whatsoever to back that up at all. But for some reason, we relented at some point to the morality of Christ but not the supernatural power of Christ because one, it's interesting, we thought that we could, I don't know what, chased our wild desires better than walk in power? And I don't know about you, I know some people who uh, sin is running wild in their lives and yet claim to follow Christ. And I'm going, where is the power of God to break that off of them? And so we've exchanged morality for the supernatural power of God. And it's like, where did it go? Where did it go? Because we live in an area right now where if you were to say, you know what, dude, I, I do want to pray. I do want to believe. I do want to see great things happen in my workspace and in my, in my area, in my cul-de-sac. Like, I'm willing. I am willing to do it. But we live in a time and place that will label you, hear me today, that will label you something silly like, oh, they're just word of faith people. Now, you may not understand what that means, but I'm telling you that's what Christian in our culture will write you off as the second you decide to believe literally most of the Bible. <laughs> I have no idea how we have like four things Jesus taught about on morality and then everything else he did was supernatural and we go, yeah, we're gonna believe those four things but not the rest of it. That's insane. It makes no sense. He's either all of it or he's none of it, amen? He's either all of it or he's none of it. And by proxy, you're either all of it or you're none of it. This is what it is. But they will tell you, you're just a word of faith guy. You're just a word of faith girl. You're just someone who believes the word of faith that, that you can just manipulate God, bend his arms to your will, and that you can just name it and claim it in Jesus' name. Your word of faith. And that's what religious people call you and I who are Pentecostals, who literally all that means is that we just believe Acts 2 happened. <laughs> that's all it means. What kind of church is takeover church? We're spirit and truth church. What does that mean? We believe that Acts 2 took place. Spirit of God fell and we are now doing great things for the Lord. But they'll tell you your word of faith. And what's interesting about that is I would much rather be labeled word of faith than word of unbelief. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would rather be called a word of faith preacher, a word of faith church, a word of faith guy, a word of faith girl, than a word, a word of unbelief guy, than a word of unbelief preacher, than a word of unbelief church. That we would be known by the fact that we lack belief in what the omnipotent, omnipresent God is able to do? I thought we worshiped God. I thought we were lovers of God. I thought we were filled with his Holy Spirit. I thought that he said greater works will you do than even I. And I guess, I guess you meant just opening a bunch of orphanages. Now I rejoice in that. And I'll tell you what, the world has a lot to thank the church for, even though it wants to burn her down right now because we started orphanages and we started hospitals. And we were the ones taking care of old people and widows. And, and then they adopted it because they realized it works. <laughs> but it was the church. And so at some point, friends, you and I, we've got to come to the reality and we've got to come to the conclusion that what you believe determines how you behave. That what you believe determines how you behave. 
If you don't believe that you can prophesy, you'll never prophesy. If you don't believe God hears your prayers, you'll never pray. If you don't believe that God can use you to heal a broken leg, then guess what, friends? You'll never lay hands in the workplace. If you don't believe God is able, then you will live a life that proclaims God is unable. Is that what your testimony in heaven is gonna be? That I lived a life that says God is unable? That God is uninterested? That God doesn't want a hand in the dealings of the earth in the hands of man? That God has abdicated his throne and left us to our own devices to burn ourselves down so that he could just come through real easy, make a new earth, a new Jerusalem, and him and five people can worship? Is that, is that what we've settled for? I'm telling you right now, friends, your beliefs determine how you behave. So many of us, we live in unbelief. We live in a place where we don't believe the word of God emphatically. We think Jesus is strong enough to save our souls from hell, but not that he's able to mend a leg at Wesco. That he's able to cast cancer out in the hospital. I'm sorry, he can save eternity but he can't save a limb, he can't save a lung, he can't save a father, he can't save a mother, he can't save a child. Friends, it's time in the series, it's time in the world, it's time in the prophetic word for our church where we begin to burn again for the glorious things of our God. But you've got to believe it. I'm telling you today, Signs and wonders follow those that believe. And if signs and wonders do not follow you, the only answer can be is not that God doesn't will it because he does. Maybe today the answer is you just don't believe it. I think a lot of us, we come to church and we go, oh, well, yeah, of course, Zach Kramer, miracles riding off of his back. He's the prophet of the house. Well, that makes sense. Well, Pastor Adrienne, She's the chief discernment officer of our church. Of course, when she's on prayer, she's like, yeah. I don't do it as good as she does. Of course, prayers are answered off the back of her. Of course, she's able to prophesy. Of course, signs and wonders follow her. Well, and Pastor Matt, of course. Of course, signs and wonders follow him. He's the guy who's leading us down the path of no return. He's got to know what he's talking about. And all of a sudden... You and I, we have made an agreement with miracles are for thee and not for me. And you have a far greater agreement with the antichrist than you do the ruling, reigning, living Christ. You may not even cognitively think it, but there is something on the inside of you that has made an agreement that signs and wonders are reserved for people with titles. That signs and wonders are reserved for people on platforms. That signs and wonders are reserved for people who lead. 
Friends, there's a time coming when the church is gonna awaken to the reality that it cannot be off the backs of their pastor's prophecy that their coworkers come to know Jesus, that dry bones begin to rise among them, that all of a sudden miracles start breaking loose in workplaces and in town squares because their pastors prayed for it. No, the church has to begin again to be what? The church. And so just like all of the other mile markers and identifiers of what it means to be a Christian, believing in signs and wonders is also a significant identifier and mile marker of what it means to be a Christian. I'm appreciate anybody this morning. We've got to believe again. You've got to believe again. And I'm going to talk about Ezekiel in just a second. But before I do, I just got to say, Booney, the Lord loves you, man. And you were saved for such a time as this. You were saved for such a time as this. You have an assignment on your life. This wasn't by accident. It's not by happenstance. Every single Christian, it's the same thing. But right now, he's just highlighting to me right new, right now. Your shirt says heat, okay? You're a burning one, bro. And you were saved for such a time as this. And just get ready, man. Start leaning in because the Lord has a word for you. I pray it's today and it's going to ignite you and you're going to do something even greater than you ever thought with your life. I was debating the whole time up here like, is this for now? And I'm just throwing the playbook out. It's for now. So what does this all have to do with Ezekiel? See, Ezekiel's a great prophet. He's one of the best prophets in the Old Testament. Ezekiel is an amazing prophet of God who his entire book, his entire recordings are literally one example, one experience, one encounter after another. I mean, you read it and you're just going, where is this guy? (laughs) What is the Lord having him do? It's this amazing thing. And I think sometimes we can read about amazing men and women of God who actually existed, this actually happened, this all took place, it's not a mythological book, we do not believe in mythology, we believe in the one true living God, amen. This is not mythology, it's chronology, this has existed, this has happened, this is history, his story. Amen. And so Ezekiel is a great man of God, but, 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 but we gotta stop right there. Because though he's a great prophet and though he's a great man of God, I think we can often do this and and some of us, we sit here and we just think, yeah, 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 but that could never be me. We hear about this and we, we look at ourselves and we look at what we've done and suddenly we believe the truth of what we know about ourselves is greater than the truth that Jesus speaks over us. And you know your thoughts and you know your shame and you know your brokenness and you know your shortcomings and you know your failings and you know all of the things that you think disqualifies you from ministry. But what you fail to read and what you fail to see is every single person that Jesus uses has a history, has a past, has failings, has issues. But unlike some of us, they are completely committed to the sanctification process and just chasing Jesus, though they may fail sometimes, they never relent any time and they go after him with everything they have. And Ezekiel is one of them. You see, Ezekiel's in the Old Testament. He has this whole book. And Ezekiel starts off, Ezekiel is nobody. 
So before you sit there and go, yeah, he's a prophet of the Old Testament. He's done mighty things. Ezekiel's no one. Ezekiel is an exiled priest, okay? He is in his tribe. He has his people and his people are exiled, literally by God. So he's a priest, yes, but he's a priest onto like God's rejected people. (laughs) Do you understand? And so Ezekiel, while yes, he may be a priest, that certainly doesn't disqualify you and I from walking in the promises and the realities that are placed upon his life because to quote the great, the great man of God, Peter, You and I, we are Jesus Christ's royal priesthood. You and I, we are a holy nation. And so while you think him being a priest before he was a prophet disqualifies you from the things that are on his life that can be on your life, think again, champ. You are Christ's royal priesthood. He's an exiled priest and you are his holy nation. How much more is what's unavailable on his life is available on your life? And so we got to understand this today. He may be a priest, but he's an exiled one. You are a chosen nation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And while I'm not declaring and claiming today that every priest is called to be a prophet, what I am declaring today is that every priest has the ability to prophesy and the world is in shambles right now because the church hasn't told the priest to begin to prophesy. The word of the enemy and the word of our culture has had far, and the word of our flesh has had far more say over the state of our world and our nation and our very state and region that you and I are called to and live in than the word of God. And today I tell you, I will give my life to see that in reverse. This is who he is. And so Ezekiel, he, he has this wild moment with God where he's just a lowly priest. He's exiled. He's doing his thing and he's not really like looked upon fondly. He's just kind of there in this tribe that's been pushed out of the promised land. And he's there. And all of a sudden he's in prayer because guess what, friends? God rewards faithfulness. So whether you are in the palace or you're in the prison season of life, my friends, God rewards faithfulness. And so Ezekiel, all of a sudden he gets a visitation, he gets a dream, he gets a vision from God. And all of a sudden he is sucked up into the third heavens and he's seeing all these crazy things and there's this God, he's there, these cherubims are there and for some reason these like cherubims got some wheels and there's some like chariots of fire action going on and he's just seeing all of the cool things, all of the wonderful things of heaven, right? And we gotta stop right there. Because again, your belief determines how you behave and your belief determines what you will be entrusted with. And see, Ezekiel, regardless of whether he was pushed out or in exile, he was faithful to the call of God on his life even when he was a priest to a nation of people who have committed trespass and treason against their God. And the reward for that was rejection. Yet he remained faithful, even while being among the rejected people. 
And all of a sudden he finds himself and he has this dream, he has this vision. And we can't go any forward right now without talking about dreams and vision because I love dreams and visions. I love dreams and visions. Dreams and visions are for today. Somebody say, dreams and visions are for today. Dreams and visions are for today. There's not some verse that happened where God says, I no longer operate in this realm. In fact, if the spirit of God dwells on the inside of you, I believe that dreams and visions should happen in plethora. I am telling you today, do you honestly think today, friends, that you have eight hours of your life that Jesus just refuses to take over? That you would have eight hours of your life that Jesus just says, I'm not going to take over that. I want no hand in that. Those eight hours, you can keep that. Are you telling me today, church, that there are eight hours of your life that Jesus says you can go undiscipled? Well, then there must be plans and there must be reasons and there must be dreams and there must be visions where God is able to meet with you while you sleep and still transform you into the image and likeness of Christ, still equip you for the mission, the great commission in the earth of Christ, amen, still use you to pull down lofty arguments and strongholds of principalities that would rise up in opposition to your God. This is who he is. And so there cannot be simply eight hours or however many you get where you go undiscipled, where Jesus says, I don't want to take over that. Please keep that area. If he's not Lord of all, we say it all the time, he's not Lord at all. And that includes your sleeping hours. And so I don't believe this ever stopped. I don't believe dreams and visions aren't for today. I believe dreams and visions are actually being rebirthed in a sense in the body of Christ right now. The problem is we as pastors have got to be able to rise up in the midst of dreams and visions and turn you to reason, hear me today, turn you to truth because in this very place right here, I think I was sitting right here some three Mondays ago praying and the Lord told me, Matt, diets make dreams. Diets make dreams. Diets make dreams. And you're going to sit here and think, you're going to go, oh, this has got to be some sort of like health kick Christianity, like Matt's trying to get some Jesus tie bow going on in here. I'm not, okay? This has nothing to do necessarily with health and wellness and all of that. But what this has to do with is literally when the Jesus, Abraham, Ezekiel, Elijah, Jeremiah, Paul, Peter, doesn't matter who it is, anybody used in great measure by God who had dreams and visions, Daniel, guess what they were found doing? Praying. And when they were given visions and dreams whilst they were praying, they were also fasting. Because for them, in order to interpret, and in, not just interpret, but in order to induce dreams and interpret dreams properly, they had to be living on the right diet, aka the bread of life, aka the fasting, aka ridding themselves of all these things. You see, one of the interesting things is this. We live in a time and place where we have sugared up, caffeined up, and we have GMO'd, modified every single thing on this earth so we can mass produce it, so we can eat lots of it, and so we can just get fat and merry off of it, you know? And we've done it. 
And now there's things like Snicker bars that have sugars and carbs and all of these things and proteins and fats and, and all of these things that lights your brain up like you just did a mountain of cocaine even though you ate one Snickers bar and your brain is going haywire because you were not designed to have all of those things in one place at one moment because nowhere else in the natural order of the world do you find all of these things together at the same time. You might have some sugars and some carbs, you might have some proteins and some fats, you might have this and that and the other thing, but never in natural order is there something that you can eat from this land that God gave you that will hold all of these things. And you wonder why when you go to bed at night after a thing of Hudsonville ice cream, that you got some wild dreams. You've been drinking caffeine until nine o'clock and eating ice cream to your gills. And listen, I'm not coming against any of this stuff. Do your thing, chicken wing. What I am saying, though, is that if you end up having dreams where Jesus rides in on a unicorn singing Nickelback, and all of a sudden you're going, I think he's talking to me. This is how you remind me of who I really am. Like, all of a sudden you're like, Jesus is on a unicorn. This is Nickelback. Yeah. Man, I just had a vision of the B93 birthday bash. My God, I'm going. He's got me a country man with a lift kit. I'm going, Lord. And all of a sudden, it's like, you tell a brother and sister in Christ who lives soberly, and they're going, nah, nah. <laughs> That's not it, fam. I think you just ate some things that you shouldn't have before you went to bed, and you had some weird sleep. Wonder well, why? Because diets make dreams. Diets make dreams. You see, the prophets in the Bible, they could be trusted with dreams and vision because they weren't putting this rubbish in their bodies. And I'm not, again, I'm not, this is not a health kick situation. Do your, I don't give a rip, okay? We should probably do some things and not eat some junk. I agree. But what I'm saying is, is if you want to induce and interpret dreams rightly and perfectly, friends, You've got to have the right diet for it. You've got to set yourself up for it. I am telling you, there is a stewardship of those six, five, eight, four, however many, I prefer four if I can get away with it, however many hours of sleep you need and have and are called to in your life, there is a stewardship of it that we don't talk about in church, that we don't preach, and yet God is trying to birth dreams and visions and prophets and prophetess, but you can't interpret it because why? Because you've been eating the wrong supply. We've got to get back to fasting. We've got to get back to praying. We've got to get back to reading our Bibles, getting the bread of life on the inside of us. Friends, you and I, diets make dreams. So Ezekiel could be trusted. We sit here and go, where are these signs and wonders? Where are these things we read about? When are we going to do the stuff? And God's going, will you position yourself to receive the ability to do the stuff? I want to bless your sleep. I want to bless your power. I want to bless your body. I want to bless your words. I want to move in on you. I want to move on through you. I want to use you in a great and mighty way. But right now, I can't even trust you with you. You want to be a man of God? You want to be a woman of God? Live a life where God can trust you by yourself. Where you can worship him without needing to be directed to worship him. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. So I love Ezekiel. He is, this, he is this crazy man of God. And Ezekiel, he's entrusted with this. And all of a sudden, he's sucked up into the third heavens. And it says this. It says God called to him, and then God filled him. Again, in the Old Testament, we, they didn't have what you and I have. The Spirit of God called singular men and women and then filled singular men and women with the Spirit. That's how he operated back then. Now Jesus came, obviously Acts 2, we understand how this works. The Holy Spirit comes and fills his church. Not just the temple, not just the temple, you and me, his church. 
And suddenly you and I, we are now endued. We are now anointed. We've been smeared with his presence, his power, his purpose, his reality. His personhood now resides on the inside of us. And friends, I gotta tell you, I think some of you don't believe that which is already on the inside of you. Are you hearing me? We've gotta get to a place where we believe, no, 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 if I wanna see fire upon the bones, I gotta believe in the fire within me. I gotta believe in the fire upon me if I'm gonna see fire upon the bones. If God's gonna use me in a great and mighty way, I gotta start believing what God has already said about me. Because it's there whether you acknowledge it or not. I couldn't imagine putting Lord Jesus in dormant on the inside of me. This isn't me being better than anybody. This is me trying to raise some people to the truth. That you are more powerful than you know you are because God has placed himself. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives on the inside of you. And if you believe that, you will live that. He didn't raise from the dead simply so you wouldn't cheat on your wife. He raised you from the dead so that you can scare cancer out of bodies. It can't be morality and morality alone. And so Ezekiel, he knows that. And in this vision, God brings him to the valley of dry bones. And I love this. I love this part. This is absolutely insane. He brings him to this valley of dry bones and... He's looking around and it says that God leads him. It says that God leads him through the valley of dry bones so that he's not just able to look at it like this, but he has actually immersed in the place he's called to. He's immersed in the place he's called to go and raise to new life in Christ. You see these valleys of dry bones, the dry bones are Israel. It's his people. Those are his chosen people that Ezekiel is prophetically walking through And it says that they are very dry. These aren't just decaying bodies. These are deceased. They're gone. They're so dry that there's never, it doesn't even look like there's been a whiff of flesh or sinew or breath anywhere close to them in a long, long time. Hey, what's interesting about this, friends, is that when God begins to place you and put you in places and positions where he's gonna begin to use you as a prayer warrior, where he's gonna use you as a prophet, where he's gonna use you as a prophesier, where he's gonna use you to speak his word and see bodies raised back to life. He's gonna place you in a position where you begin to get your heart broken the way his heart is broken. You've gotta understand, there's there's a reason it's called the weeping prophet. It's because God will take you and he will put you in a place that matters to him. Some of us were so frustrated with our jobs, frustrated with our kids, frustrated with the prodigals, frustrated with our marriages, frustrated with all these things. And you cannot get past your frustration to see that God is burdened for your marriage, burdened for your prodigal son, burdened for your children, burdened for your workplace. And he's placed you there and moved you amongst the dry bones there because he longs to see his chosen people raised to newness and life again. And so when he brings you to a place and you're like, it's dead here. It's dry here. There's no other Christians. They want me to do all these things and I feel morally compromised. And God's going, yeah, look. Look. And so God will always bring you to a place, hear me today. God will always bring you to a place where he calls you to call that which as it is, not as though it was not, 
but as he calls it. Are you hearing me? To look at the broken, to look at the burden, to look at the fallen, to look at the absolute debaucherous nature of things, corrupt nature of things, fallen, broken, diseased, and call it what God says it is. You see, the thing about prophecy is prophecy doesn't deny the problem. Prophecy denies the problem the last word. I appreciate anybody this morning. Prophecy, hear me today, doesn't call you to fake it till you make it. Oh, that leg is healed in Jesus' name. And they're like, <laughs> falling over, broken leg still. No, no, no. He's not saying, no, no, no. Prophesy and then have that person fake it till they're healed. No, 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 no. Prophecy doesn't deny the problem. Prophecy denies the problem the last word. And you and I've got to understand this, that there is a greater word that supersedes every brokenness. There's a greater word that supersedes every pain. There's a greater word that supersedes every cancer, every hospice, every death note. Every time the bill is coming due, there is a greater word that sits above the bill that is due, and it is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. You and I've got to understand this. We think prophecy is wishful thinking. It's not. We think a prophecy is simply denying the reality of the problem. No, prophecy is denying the problem, the ability to have the last word over the situation. This is what you and I've got to understand. You see, Peter, <laughs> we're, going to div we're going to dive more into this in the later part of August, but you and I've got to understand we are the church. We come from the book of Acts. We were birthed in Acts 1. You and I, we were called, and we waited, and we stewarded a word, and when we stewarded the word, power from on high came and clothed us and filled us in the mighty righteousness of Jesus, and we were never the same. You and I, that's our family. That's our line. That's what you and I come from. So all these things that you think you got from your mom and dad, you may have, but there's a word that supersedes it, and it's called adoption. It's called born again. It's called new creation, and I preached to anybody this morning. And it's in that new creation that Peter, we'll get more into this again throughout the summer, but listen, listen, listen. Peter had a mantra for the early church. Peter had a mantra for the early church. They used to roll up and say, we're the church. Those that laugh at death. That's who the church is. We're the church, Peter would declare. We're the church, those that laugh at death. Friends, prophecy isn't the denial of death. It is telling death, you don't get the last word. You don't get the last say. And I realize it doesn't matter how hard I preach it, how hard I scream it, or how energized about this I get. If there is unbelief on the inside of you, this will not move you. You have got to do the heavy lifting of the stone on your heart right now and welcome Lord Jesus in and say, Lord, would you exchange for me, again, the words of Ezekiel in another verse, exchange for me this heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Because I am telling you, there is something that has to rise up on the inside of you today where you will stand at death's door and laugh because we are the church and that's what we do. We don't allow death to have the final say. We take from sin and we take from fallen nature and we take from brokenness and we take from all of these things and we say, not today. We say, God has a better word. We say there is a reality, friends, that supersedes deafness. There's a reality, friends, that supersedes cancer. There's a reality and a word that supersedes 
divorce, dysfunction, adultery, pornography, sexual immorality. There is a word that goes forth and will not return void. And it is the prophetic word of God. And this is exactly what Ezekiel is faced with in this moment. He says this, God asks him, Ezekiel, could these dry bones live again? And what's interesting about this moment is God, God asks questions, but he's not really asking a question. You see, God isn't so much asking a question as much as he's asking about Ezekiel. God's not confused as to whether these dry bones could put on skin and live again. God is wondering if Ezekiel believes these dry bones can put on skin and live again. He's not asking about the bones, he's asking about his prophet. He's not asking about the bones, he's asking about his son. He's not asking about his bones, he's asking about the daughter. He's asking about his children and what his children believe. What his children believes. Are you hearing me today? God cares about your beliefs because he can't trust you if you don't believe him. He can't give to you if you don't believe him. And you won't behave like him if you don't believe him. And so he says, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live again? And Ezekiel, he hits the little mini line. He hits the little like in the middle part. And he goes, well, Lord, you know, pass it right back at you. He like sidesteps real smooth. I was like, man, I like that game. That's good. I'm gonna use that sometime. And uh, he goes, God, you know, you know. And so then God takes that as, all right, it's testing time. You see, some of us, we think God withholds from us to tease us, but he's actually withholding from you to test you. God doesn't tease, he tests. Why does God test? Because he wants to know what you believe so he can know what he can trust you with. God wants to know what you believe, what's on the inside of you. If you're gonna preach fire upon the bones, he's gotta know that you got fire shut up in your bones. He doesn't try to tease you, he tries to test you. Are you hearing me? And so he says to Ezekiel, can these dry bones live again? He goes, Lord, you know. And he goes, you're right, I do. So prophesy to these bones. And here's the deal. Here's the thing about prophecy. Again, it doesn't deny the problem. It denies the problem, the last word. But here's the deal. Ezekiel, Ezekiel couldn't just say anything in this moment. And this is where you and I go so very wrong all the time. Hear me. Jesus literally says his entire ministry is summed up in these two things. I do what I see my father doing and I say what I hear my father saying by the spirit. Do you hear this? Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing and I only say what I hear my father saying via the spirit. It's the same thing in this moment with Ezekiel. Very practical. Hear me today. You and I, we don't get to ad lib prophecy. When the Lord drops in your heart, hear me today, when you're at work, when you're at Meyer, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, family reunion, whatever you're up to, when God lays on your heart, not even just audibly, but all of a sudden something on the inside of you, which is his Holy Spirit says, you need to pray over that person, you need to pray over that situation, that accident, that arm, that, that lady, whoever, whatever the situation is, you have to do that. But you can't just do it however you wish. You can't just do it however you want to. We don't ad-lib in prophecy. We have got to pay attention to what he's doing and what he's saying. Why? Great example I heard one time is that our words are red, God's words are blue, but God only rides in his blue when it's on our red, not when it's on our green. I'll make it make sense. What it means is this. God is speaking to you. I know, I know all the colorblind people are going... Somebody lay hands on my eyes so I can get this. Listen, what it means is this. 
is that when you are gonna pray, when you are gonna prophesy, when you are gonna speak blue, it's because that's literally what you heard. You have gotta hear, you see, Ezekiel, he couldn't just say, hey, rise. Don't you know Jesus is here? Come on, put some flesh on, make yourself decent. He couldn't do that. I know that's exaggerating, I know that's silly, but he couldn't just ad-lib prophecy. You see, God isn't under any obligation to honor your words. He's on every, he has every obligation to honor his words. God can't honor your green. He only honors the blue that you're hearing from him and then he sends his red to ride in on it. What does that mean? It means when you speak his words, you get his will. When you speak his words, you get his will. I understand I probably should have just left the red blue thing. It made sense to me and I'm colorblind, so that's fun. Uh, I should have left that. But do you understand what I'm saying in this moment? That he rides in his will, but it has to be on the backside of his words. You cannot just go, oh, I got to pray for this person and then pray whatever you want. No, you've got to be sensitive. You've got to hear. You've got to pay attention. You have got to be in this moment. Lord, what are you saying? I hear you drawing me to pray. I hear you drawing me to intercede. I hear you drawing me to intervene in the prophetic. What are you saying? And then you don't add and you don't take away. And let me tell you this, friends, you don't make apologies. Jesus never apologized to a dead body for raising it back to life. No prophet ever apologized for telling the nation you're in sin, you need to repent. We do not apologize and nor do we say, take it or leave it. Because what happens, friends, when you add to the word of the Lord is your mixture dulls the blade. Your mixture blunts the blade. Your mixture, God can't ride in on you. God only rides in on him through you. Are you pre am I preaching to anybody this morning? Do you understand what I'm saying in this moment? And so Ezekiel has to say, we're seeing you can make a way up here. Ezekiel has to say word for word what he heard. And it's only in this moment where all of a sudden he begins to say to these dry bones exactly what God said. Ezekiel say to these dry bones, I will be, behold, I will breathe onto you and I will place sinew upon you and skin will come on you and then I will fill you with breath. What's amazing is the very first thing he says is the very first thing that we see in all of scripture. And it's the very thing that Jesus sent in Acts 2 and that Jesus talked about his entire ministry. When you see first, not the second one, he's talking about literal breath in the second one. In the first, it's literally the same word as in Genesis and the same word for the Holy Spirit. God's fire, God's presence, God's majesty, God's beauty, God's power, God's dunamis, 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 however you want to enunciate the word, fills these dry bones. Fire falls upon the bones and it's only in the presence of God that these bones are able to begin to live again. But the presence of God was only ushered in because he said exactly what he heard. You see, if you want to grow in prophecy, you want to grow in answered prayers, you got to hear rightly. You got to listen intently. And you got to repeat correctly. Are you hearing me? You got to hear him rightly. 
You gotta listen intently so you can repeat correctly. He is underneath no obligation to fulfill your will or write in your words, but he is under every legal and heavenly court's obligation today, friends, to honor his word. And when you repeat his word, you get his will. Would you stand? And so right now, as we get ready to close out, as we get ready to head into this next song of worship, here's what I want to do. You see, Ezekiel prays, and sure enough, the Spirit of God falls in the bones and the sinew comes upon the joints and there's a great rattling and a shaking and a noise and all of a sudden joint to joint, bone to bone, sinew to joint and all of a sudden flesh comes on, muscle appears and all of a sudden skin comes on and yet laying in the grave is a great army of the dead. You see what's interesting in this moment is all of a sudden we get what you and I run up against so often. It's partial miracles. All of a sudden what we run up against is where someone's hearing is restored 75%. Where all of a sudden somebody's immorality is broken off them 50%. They're good for two weeks and then all of a sudden the porn itch comes real hard. where they get delivered from something, but not enough to quit it. Where all of a sudden the leg is about 80% better, but there's still something not there, you see. Again, God is, God isn't teasing, God is testing. Because so much of the church, we're just willing to say, great, 75%, let's hit it again next week, I'm out of here. <laughs> but from this this moment what we see is there's there's more there's clearly more and if Ezekiel's just ready to be done with the vision if Ezekiel's just ready to be done with the work if Ezekiel's just hungry and needs to go to lunch if Ezekiel just has plans can you imagine what would happen if these dry bones never got the breath that he's about to prophesy into them if they just stayed there that's Israel the ones whom Jesus has been foretold that he would come through. Jesus can't come through a dead people. And that means so much rides in on you and I's obedience. But what if I told you today that if Ezekiel stops right there, that partial obedience is complete disobedience? What if I told you that 80% miracle is partial obedience, but it's entirely disobedient? What if I told you today there was four friends that would cut a hole in a roof just to lower a man who's lame and broken down to Lord Jesus, that they would literally break in a home in the middle of a service just to get close to the one that they knew could save their friend? I'm telling you today. There are lengths that God will call you to venture into so that he can grow a power within you, so that he can trust you with more. And if we're not interested in living for this, then I don't entirely understand why we are following Christ. If he's not the totality of what he says he is, then what interest do you have in him? You could find other life coaches. You could read other books that teach you how not to cheat on your spouse. You can vote Republican the rest of your days of your life. 
You can accomplish a great many of things in the flesh, but what Jesus came to do was sozo. It was body, it was mind, it was will, it was emotions, it was the spirit. And so what does God say to him to do? Prophesy to the breath. Call in the four winds. All of a sudden, in the middle of wanting to see the rest of this miracle, God says, actually, what I want you to do is speak to the very thing that you can't even picture. Because you can picture skin, you can picture sinews, you can picture flesh and muscles, but what you can't see is what I want you to speak to. And so that means, friends, that there's a level of prophecy that you and I are being welcomed into that will not make sense, that will trouble you, that will confuse you, that you will not completely be able to wrap your head around. And maybe even today, this is too much for you. I am telling you, though you may not understand, there is a revelation available to you this morning that will supersede what you can wrap your head around because it will begin to burn on the inside of you. And you'll begin to speak to things that you can't even see, that you can't even picture, that you can't even imagine. And yet when you speak what God says, His will will write in and His will will be established in you, in your marriage, in your friends, in your children, in your workplace, in your cul-de-sac, in your groups, in your homes, wherever you go. If you will listen and repeat, if you will watch and emulate, Friends, God will write in and he says this, and all will know that I am the Lord, that I will do it, and that I have declared it. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the Christ that I gave my life for. More importantly, that sounds like the Christ that gave his life for me. Because there is something desperately missing in the earth today. And it is the signs and wonders that are called to follow the little Christ, the little Messiahs, the followers of the ways, those that are the body, the hands, the feet, and the bride of Christ in the earth. So we're going to pray. Worship team's gonna begin to sing and if I can have some of my core leaders come down here. If you wanna to come to the front, you can definitely do it. But what I'm feeling now isn't necessarily a laying on of hands, but a mass impartation where our leaders who move in these giftings, move in these ways. We're just going to extend a hand out and we're all going to worship our King. And as we minister to Him first and foremost, He is going to begin to illuminate. He's going to be able to un undo you and unravel you and remake you again and again and again into His image and likeness. And I believe right now there's going to be a mass impartation of the gifts of the Spirit. And they're a gift for a reason, friends because he wants to entrust you with that which he has only entrusted to a few, chief among them, his dear son.
So right now, I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to sing. We're going to worship. And we're going to ask right now for a mass impartation of the gifts of the Spirit to fall in this place. And if you are receiving something, if you're being awakened to something, I just want you to start worshiping, hollering, shouting out, whatever it is, thanking Jesus. Don't worry if it's in the middle of a song. Just start pouring out and saying, thank you, God, for giving to me. Thank you, God, for delivering me. Thank you, for God, for changing me and speaking into me and giving me these gifts right now. We are just going to call and respond. Does that sound good? Then let's pray. Worship team, begin to sing. Father. Right now, we ask, Lord Jesus, in this moment, Father, right now, as we stretch out our hands, as we pray above, God, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would move in a mighty way, God, that right now, Lord, we would come alive to prophecy, that we would come alive to prophesy, that we would come alive to the word and will of the Lord, God, that right now, Lord, yes, we can be kind, yes, we can be loving, yes, we can be faithful friends and servants of all, God, but we can also move in the power that you've given to us, God, and we can see dry bones come and live again that every time you ask us to pray you are asking us Matt can this workplace live again can this shoulder work again can this marriage be a marriage again can this identity be under Christ again every time you welcome us in to pray God you are asking the question do you believe my word can win out again and so, Father, right now, I just ask for a mass impartation of the Spirit of God, a mass impartation of the prophecy ministry of God, that right now prophets and prophetess all around this house, God, are beginning to get visions, that right now, God, people are popping in their head in this very moment, who needs prayer, who they can pray for, who has a sickness, who has an ailment, who has a spirit of confusion, who is wayward, who is far off, who is prodigal, who has yet to come home right now Lord and I pray that there would be a boldness that rises up in them that says right now Lord we give unto you we yield unto you that right now Lord you have our yes and we give a thousand no's in its place that right now we say yes to prophecy we say yes to being used we say yes to praying and yielding to you God I said I would do it we say yes to seeing demons cast out. We say yes to ears being open. We say yes to lungs being filled. We say yes to hospital ministries. We say yes to praying over ambulances. We say yes to praying over depression. We say yes to praying over suicide. We say yes that I we move I against death it. and backsliddenness in the name well, of Jesus and we will see radical deliverance in Jesus' name. Won't you so Father, Won't right now, over every person in this place, God, I pray that there would be a great circumcision of our hearts of stone, of our unbelief, that right now, God, you would bridge the gap with grace, with mercy. And you right now would draw close to us and draw us in. And you would speak revelation unto us, God. And you would pull us into this place of believing you and your word. So come, Lord Jesus. 
Holy Spirit, have your way in this room. As the worship team begins to sing, we know that one thing remains, God. It is you and your word, and you are the truest thing in this room. Beyond every doubt and every frustration, beyond every wonder and wandering eye, you are true. In Jesus' mighty name, church, let's lift our hands, let's receive. And if you want prayer for activation and impartation, come up front in Jesus' name.